Now, I know that you're a fun church, and my church is a fun church, so I was going to come with my Father Christmas hat on. I enjoy having my Father Christmas hat, but I thought maybe not. And then I thought about wearing a Christmas jumper. But did you know it takes five sheep to make a Christmas jumper? I thought that was incredible. I didn't even know sheep could knit, so I didn't bring mine today. But... um, Christmas time's exciting, we get to put up decorations, and me and Hannah were just putting up ours uh, last week, and, and I don't know, it's, it's hungry work, it's thirsty work, and I just, you know, I had a quick snack, I ate some of the decorations, but I just, the next day my voice was killing me, I think I had tinselitis, and just encourage you not to be doing that this Christmas. <laughs> hey, that's a good one, isn't it? Tinselitis, get it? Um, Anyway, I always do like to start off with something funny. I think it helps us break the ice, and sometimes it links to the sermon. And I heard about three men uh, in America that were, were traveling together. One was a Hindu priest, one was a Jewish rabbi, and one was a Christian evangelist. And this evangelist just loved telling everyone he met about Jesus. He couldn't help but tell them about how Jesus had moved into his life and everything had changed. Anybody and everybody, even if they weren't willing to listen, had to listen because he had to tell them about Jesus. Anyway, as they were traveling, they decided to stop for a night at a farm. And the farmer said, yes, of course you can stop here. But unfortunately, I've only got enough room for two of you in the house. One of you will have to stay in the barn. So the Hindu priest said, that's absolutely no worries. I'll stay in the barn. You guys can stay in the house. After a few minutes, there was a knock on the door, and the Hindu priest said, there's a cow outside. In my religion, cows are sacred. I can't possibly stay in the barn. So the Jewish rabbi said, absolutely no worries. You two stay inside. I'll go in the barn. After a few minutes, there was a knock on the door. And the rabbi said, there's a pig outside, and it wouldn't be kosher for me to stay out there. I can't possibly stay in the barn. So the evangelist said, no worries. I'll stay in the barn. After a few minutes, there was a knock on the door, and it was the cow and the pig, and said, he won't shut up about this guy called Jesus. So I just want to encourage you to be like that guy. When Jesus moves into our life, things change, and we can't help but tell people about Jesus. So um, this morning, for those of you that are making notes or writing notes, I've got one message to tell you. The message is, he came down. He had a purpose, he had a reason, and that purpose is you. He came down for a reason, for a purpose, and the purpose is you. So, when we are looking at time, we're in year 2019, and we're looking forward to the year 2020, after the time we put A.D., And in the olden days, you'll notice, but after the time, we put B.C. Does anyone know what B.C. stands for? Before Christ, exactly. We used to measure time up to when Jesus was born. Does anyone know what A.D. stands for? Oh, you are educated. My guy's like after death. No, they weren't. But anyway, Anno Domini, two Latin words, and it means the year of our Lord. And I think that that is incredible, that whether you are an atheist, a Hindu, a Jew, or a Christian evangelist, all of us agree that when he came down, things changed. The entire way that we measure history changed because of Jesus. So all of those people that say, I don't believe in Jesus, you have to say, do you know what? He really was a man. Whether you believe he was the son of God, he really did come down. Everything changed. 
There was the world before Christ. Jesus shows up on the scene. And then we have the year of our Lord. Amazing. He came down. He had a purpose. And the purpose is you. And then we live in the year of our Lord. And just like the Christian evangelist from the joke, when Jesus showed up on the scene, everything changes. And this morning, that's what I want us to be looking at. I've got a Bible verse, and we'll journey through that together. That this Christmas, if you don't already know Jesus, I pray will become the anno domini of your life. That I can remember my life before Christ, Jesus came up on the scene. He came down. He made a way where there shouldn't be a way. And after that, everything changes. So for those of you that have got your Bibles, if you'd like to open up to John 1, and we'll begin at verse 1. So John 1, verse 1. In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light. So that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one is the true light who gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't receive him. He came to his own people, but even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. He came down. He had a purpose. And the purpose was you. So, Father God, this morning, I thank you so much for your living word that we believe is Jesus Christ. And we thank you for your written word, the Bible, the Holy Scriptures that highlight who and what he is and how he loves us. And we pray this morning that you will send your Holy Spirit to be amongst us, to reveal something new and afresh of your love for us here this morning. Amen. I always like to put things in context first, and sometimes we can think that the Bible is like 66 books, which it is. And sometimes I think, why did these 66 make it in, and why did others not? And sometimes I think, why were they put in the order that they were? Sometimes it's chronological, and sometimes it's not. But they're not 66 independent books, they're one big narrative. Sometimes we can look at this big narrative and have the Old Testament and the New Testament, and we can think that they're completely separate. That the Old Testament is the BC, before Christ, and that the afterwards, the, the New Testament, is the Anno Domini. Jesus comes on the scene and everything changes. And that is a great way of looking at it. 
But you need to remember that the before Christ is always the run-up to Jesus coming on the scene. God was trying to make a way to get right with his people, and his people were trying to make a way to get right with him. But before Christ, it was only ever temporary. Sometimes I think in our personal lives, before Christ, sometimes we think we're getting things right. Sometimes there's good people in this world. I mean, is there really? I'm not sure. But sometimes we make good decisions. But before Christ, it's only ever temporary. I mean, after Christ, we still have to be making the right decisions all the time. It's not once you've made a decision, you never have to worry about any future decisions. However, when Jesus steps on the scene, everything changes. You're now part of his family, and life takes on a whole new meaning. So even the Bible has a BC and an AD, and I am so grateful that I live AD. I am so grateful that I get to live 2019 years after the year of our Lord because he made a way where there shouldn't be a way. He made a way to be with you today. He came down. He had a reason. He had a purpose. And the purpose is you. So he came down. I believe he came down for everyone. So okay, Johnny, we know he came down But who did he come down for? Did he come down for me, my next door neighbor, the people that are far from God? Well, I believe in Luke 2, when we read about him coming down. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy to who? All the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to who? You. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Why did God choose to reveal the true identity of his son to shepherds first? Shepherds are often in, in this society seen as the, the, the non-important people, like the everyday worker, probably the majority of who we would be, the non-important people. God didn't reveal himself to the politicians. He purposely chose not to reveal himself to the king. Who did he come to? He came to the everyday person. He came to what would have been us. And he specifically said, Jesus is coming for all, and you all will find him. I think that that is so incredible that God himself decided to send his main man, the angel, to speak to the everyday person to foretell the birth of Jesus. And I want to tell you another story that I think highlights that he came for the everyday man. This story some of you will know. It's also found in John. Our original reading was in John 1. This is a few chapters on if you want to read along in John 4. I think this highlights how it doesn't matter how messed up you think your life is, how far from God you are, how unworthy you think you are of the gospel message, that he came down, he had a purpose, and the purpose is you. So in John 4, 1... Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. 
Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. So what's important about this? Well, first of all, Samaria was an area where Jews should not be. Most people that were traveling by would have gone around. The Samaritan people were this mixed race between Jews and Gentiles, so nobody liked them. The Jews certainly didn't want to go near them, and the Gentiles didn't want to go near them. So Jesus should never have been there in the first place. But he made a way where there shouldn't be a way. He wanted to let everyone know he'd come for everyone. He is highlighting that he's come for all. So, for those of you making notes, I've summarized this story into five things that can happen when we encounter Jesus. So, number one, an encounter with Jesus will often not be expected. So, follow on the story. A woman from Samaria came, draw, came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it you, a Jew, ask for me a drink, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. You see, not only should Jesus not have been in Samaria because they were seen as like the unclean race, he certainly should not have been talking to a woman, never mind a Samaritan woman. Jesus was making a way where culturally there shouldn't have been a way. Physically, there shouldn't have been a way for God to speak to her. But an encounter with Jesus is often unexpected. Number two, an encounter with Jesus addresses questions we didn't even know we needed answered. So carrying on the story, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, meaning himself, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him become will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty, or have come to the water to draw or have to come here to draw water. You see, the encounter with Jesus that she had, she had a question, why are you even speaking to me? Jesus gives you answers you didn't even know you were looking for. He said to her, Do you even know who I am? And if you did, you would not even be asking me these questions. Let me give you some answers you really need. And sometimes I think, like Dan opened this morning, I don't know your journey this week. I don't know why you're in church. You might be far from God. You might have loved God for a long time. You might be invented, invited by a friend or a family neighbor. But when we encounter Jesus, he'll give us answers that we didn't even know we were looking for. And this morning, I want to encourage you that it's not, can I have some water? It's, can I have some water that will never run dry? Jesus wants to give you the best gift this Christmas. He came down and he had a purpose. And the purpose is you. Number three, an encounter with Jesus. This is tough. It reveals the messy parts of us. 
Sometimes coming to church, we think that we're unclean and we're not worthy. I've had testimonies of friends that have come to church that really didn't want to be there because they. I've had someone say to me that they thought if they crossed the threshold at church, they would burn because they were that messy, they shouldn't be allowed. Now, when we come to Jesus, we're not automatically clean. That's part of the journey of accepting him as our Lord and Savior. You don't just come into church, but part of being clean is acknowledging our mess. And Jesus does that here in this story. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. See, Jesus already knew all the mess that this Samaritan woman had. He shouldn't have been in Samaria. He shouldn't have been speaking to women. And he certainly shouldn't be speaking to someone as messy as this. But when Jesus highlights her mess, it's not to condemn her, it's to say, I know everything about you, and I still chose to have a conversation. I know all of your messy parts, all of the parts that some of even your friends and closest family members don't know. I know it all, and I'm not pointing it out to judge you. I'm pointing it out for the opposite reason. To love you, to engage with you, to help you through it, to help you live a new life where you'll never thirst again. It's difficult when we come to church, pointing out our messy parts. We think sometimes on a Sunday we have to, you know, show our best and hide all the rest. That certainly isn't the example that Jesus gives. Jesus acknowledges people's mess and loves them anyway. That's a challenge to all of us. That's how we should be living our lives. Not ignoring people's mess, acknowledging it, but loving them anyway. Number four, an encounter with Jesus gets to the true heart of the issue. So verse 20, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming on this mountain, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. When the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit. I love that. Let's always be a church that worships in the spirit. Sermon for another day. Lost my place. In the spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship. The woman said to him, Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When he comes... He will tell us all things. Jesus said to you, to her, I who speak to you am he. So Jesus gets to the true heart of the issue. It wasn't to do with her mess. That wasn't the issue. She then wanted to know, well, where can I worship God? Is it on this mountain or is it in Jerusalem? And Jesus tells her the answer that she's really asking for. Is it doesn't really matter because the time is coming where you can't worship on this mountain in this church in Kirkham or in my church in Thornton, a time is coming when we'll be worshipping in spirit and truth when Jesus comes again. And he is telling her so she can get her heart prepared for the real heart of the issue. And number five, <clears throat> an encounter with Jesus sends us out to tell others. Verse 27, 
Jesus then, just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, come. See a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? So they went out to the town and were coming to him. And I encourage you, as a church, you are already doing this. Yesterday on your Christmas markets, when you were handing flyers out, when you were loving on people, when you were loving with people, when you were being that example of Jesus' love, just like the guy in the joke at the beginning, you are a church that can't but tell. This woman, once she'd had her mess pointed out, once she'd been found what the true heart of the issue was, once Jesus had made a way for her, didn't feel judged or condemned. She felt that love she had to share with others. She wanted other people to know what she had just found out. He came down. He had a purpose. And the purpose is you. So today I think that lots of us are either in a period before Jesus, that BC, and when Jesus came on the scene, everything changed. But we have to acknowledge that. And we then have to be living differently. We don't know what happened with the woman at the well afterwards. But I hope and pray that her encounter with Jesus meant her years living AD was significantly different than living in her years BC. And there might be some of us here that haven't accepted the year of our Lord yet in our lives. And I encourage you that AD is so much better at Christmas time, we like to give gifts. And this is exactly what happened. He came down, he had a purpose, and the purpose was you. But it got me thinking about gifts, and I've brought one for you guys here this morning. You see, with a gift, a gift has to be given. You can't just take a gift, that's called theft. You can't just go to your local shop and be like, oh, they've gifted me these shoes. They haven't. A gift has to be offered. And that's exactly what happens at Christmas. God is giving you the option. He's not telling you to come and steal your salvation. And he's not withholding it. He's offering it out. A gift has to be given. But then a gift also has to be received. If, Jesus, if God is just holding Jesus as the gift this Christmas out and you don't take it, a gift has to be received. But to receive a gift well, you don't just receive it. A gift has to be opened. If you just then say, oh, thank you for that gift and leave it on the shelf, was it ever really a gift? You don't even know what it was. You've never fully experienced it. And I think that sums us all up somewhere on that analogy this morning. Either God is offering you a gift and you haven't yet received it. Or God has offered you the gift and you have received it, but you've just got it sat looking pretty under your Christmas tree. You've never really unwrapped it. But this Christmas, I want you to know that God's present is his presence. He wants to show up in a real way in your life. He's not just holding it out with no reason. He has a purpose, and that purpose is you. He's not withholding anything, but you have to receive it. And then we have to enjoy it. Living AD is so much better than living BC. 
It's where we find our true purpose in life. It's where we find our true family. It's when we can't help but tell people how excited we are. We can't help but put on Christmas markets. We can't help but be excited when we come to church on Christmas morning because his presence is his presence and there's nowhere that I would rather be than in the presence of God. Not because he points out my mess, but because he knows that anyway and he still gives me a gift. How many of our true friends would still give us gifts if they knew what we had thought and said and done? Jesus does. He made a way where there shouldn't be a way. He came down. He had a purpose. And that purpose is you. So this morning, I think the band are going to come back up. I really want to give you an opportunity to embrace this. There might be some of you that are already living AD. We already have received the gift Hallelujah. But you might be wanting to step even more into that gift. Unwrap it to the next level. Embrace it. Be as passionate as that Christian evangelist from the beginning that you can't help but tell anyone because how amazing your life is living in the year of our Lord. There might be some of you that have never received that gift. That you know God is offering it, but maybe you feel unworthy that I don't deserve such a precious gift. Don't waste that gift. It's already been paid for on the cross. Accept it this Christmas. And there might be some of you that don't even believe that God is offering a gift. I don't know. But I want to tell you that even the atheists live in AD. Even they accept that he came down. This Christmas, I want you to accept that he came down for a purpose. And the purpose is you. So now I'm going to say a prayer for us all. And I'd love it if every head was bowed and every eye was closed. And I'm going to be praying for people to really receive this gift this Christmas and acknowledge that he came down for me. Sometimes it's easier to acknowledge that he came down for someone else. But he came down for me. God is handing out that gift for me to unwrap. And if that's you, I would love to pray for you now. So I'm going to count to three. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will be moving in your heart now if this really is for you. And when I get to three, I'd love it if you just raise your hand. I'll acknowledge it and you can put it down. It's not embarrassing. No one else can see it. But it's a way of you demonstrating to God, I received this gift. Either for the first time or for the second or for the millionth. But I really want to embrace it this Christmas. I want to acknowledge that you came down, that you had a purpose. And your purpose was me. So after three, I'd love it if you'd put your hand up. One. Father God, I pray your Holy Spirit's moving in this place now. Two. Be stirring in people's hearts. Three. Thank you. Put your hand down. Thank you. I see that hand. Anyone else? He came down for you. It's time to start living AD, the year of our Lord. Thank you. Put your hand down. Father God, I thank you so much that you came down came down for a purpose and the purpose was me and the purpose was everyone 
I thank you that you know all the mess in my life and you love me anyway that you don't want to leave me the way you found me that you want to restore me you want to make me bigger and better than I ever was before that you want to release and empower me to be everything I have in Jesus and I pray for the people that put their hands up this morning that that will be their prayer too that they acknowledge that you came down that you had a purpose and the purpose was for them and I pray for this church this Christmas for every family that is represented here this morning that they will just have an abundance of your presence in their homes in their hearts this Christmas I pray for every single person in this room that you will release for 2020 a new heart a new vision because they know that you had a purpose in your coming down and your purpose was them and they now want to say and I know why I was born and my purpose is to live for you and my purpose is to honour you in all of my life and I can't help but tell others I thank you for the leadership team and for Pastor Dan and Holly and I pray this Christmas will be a time of celebration a time of gifts being given and received and unwrapped well